0: you're listening to the very brave podcast the podcast for women who are looking to find their brave and take more bold steps in life we'll be chatting with women from all walks of life about redefining bravery away from just physical and heroic battlefield acts and being more inclusive of emotional moral and spiritual bravery the very things women the world over are participating in every single day If you're ready to be inspired by stories of feminine bravery from across the globe and you know it's time to make your next bold move, then get comfortable, grab a coffee and let's get started. Hello and thank you for joining me today. I'm very excited to introduce you to Lane Beachley. Lane, hello. Hello, Rachel. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much. Pretty excited uh, that we get to have this chat today to help us redefine bravery for women. Can we start off for those who may have been living under a rock for the last few decades uh, (laughs) and
1: don't know who you are? Can Not, we start with a, a background? There's, there's bound to be several people listening that have no <laughs> idea who I am, but my name's Lane Beachley. I'm a seven times world champion surfer. I'm also a champion of mental wellness, having overcome serious experiences with all sorts of mental health challenges. I am the chair of Surfing Australia. I'm a director on the urban Surf Board. I'm a mentor, facilitator, author, and surfer.
0: Amazing. Oh,
1: <laughs> an environmental campaigner. Yes. Let's not forget that. Let's
0: not forget that. Lots of things. So, uh, Lane, first of all, bravery. What's your personal definition of bravery, what it means to be brave?
1: I feel that the, the most accurate definition from my perspective is someone who's willing to act in the face of fear because, you know, we all feel it, but having the capacity to acknowledge that you're afraid and accept that you're afraid and then act despite that is the true sense of bravery. And if you think
0: back over your life and, and your career, where does bravery show up for you? Where is it highlighted? What comes to mind?
1: Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'd have to work from the start of my career. The, I mean, the bravery just as an eight-year-old. Let's, let's go all the way back to the early years of my life. So when my dad told me I was adopted as an eight-year-old, I felt very deep sense of worthlessness and rejection and abandonment. And I chose to set this audacious goal that I had to become a world champion if I was going to prove to the world that I am worthy of love and uh, can avoid being rejected. So that really drove me to becoming a world champion surfer. And then as a 14-year-old, I competed in my first event and came dead last, which was heartbreaking and devastating, but also inspiring. It motivated me and it also educated me. that that I needed to lean in and work harder and yeah it didn't discourage me if anything it inspired me and then when I joined the pro tour back in 1990 I was 18 years of age and it was a very hostile and intimidating and unwelcoming place for women but I was very fortunate I grew up in a a very similar environment in a place called Manly Beach the most appropriately named beach in the world and (laughs) taught me how to deal with this level of hostility, threats and intimidation, mm. uh, not only from my male counterparts but also from my female counterparts. So I feel like I've I've learned a lot from the obstacles and challenges that I've overcome and, and I also feel that a lot of opportunities have, have uh, presented themselves due to those moments. Then declaring to the world, you know, from the moment I show up on tour I'm declaring to the world I'm going to be world champion. It takes uh, a lot of courage to do that. So standing firm in my values, standing up for what I believed in, being rejected and ridiculed by a surfing industry and a governing body and my, and my peers, uh, to then still rise above that and become the most successful surfer in history, I consider it to be a real act of bravery. But then to also ride 50-foot waves, to continue putting myself out there today, I mean, it took a lot of courage for me to embrace the whole social media component of life because uh, you know when you've irrespective of your profile actually if you speak your truth you're um, you're putting yourself on a on a hiding to nothing most of the time so yeah i feel that bravery when i when i reflect on my life it appears a lot and i actually have a children's book called brave beachley
0: you are listening to the very brave podcast I wonder if you can identify through some of those things you've just told me about, you know, thinking at eight because you were adopted, you had to prove yourself worthy of love, you know, thinking right back then you're going to be world champion, starting on the pro tour, declaring to the world that you will be world champion. They're very different ways to define bravery, aren't they, Then the physical act that society believes should be rewarded, like, you know, being on the battlefield and potentially dying on the battlefield. Or as we were talking about before we came on air, you know, saving people from fires or flood. I've recognised through this uh, process, as I've been able to interview all of these extraordinary women, that there's other types of bravery and maybe we can kind of put them into a few categories like emotional bravery and moral bravery and spiritual bravery. As I'm saying that, can you relate that through your stories?
1: Absolutely. I, I strongly resonate with that. I was actually just thinking that when you were starting to pose the question about the, the varieties of different styles of bravery that, that individuals can show because, like you say, the reference to bravery often relies on the physical bravery, uh, someone throwing them into the face of harm and throwing themselves into the face of, of the unknown and, and uh, fear and war, <laughs> uh, you know, putting themselves between uh, a danger, and somebody else and you know I I do that quite often just naturally as a surfer you know I've I've saved people a lot in the water and Mm. I don't consider that to be an act of bravery I think consider that to be an act of common sense because it's just my happy place it's an environment that I'm very familiar with and comfortable in so Mm. it's relative to the environment that you know that you're familiar with but yes there's spiritual bravery there's emotional bravery there's moral bravery and, and I've definitely demonstrated those acts on a variety of different levels at a variety of different times throughout my life and and continue to do so today.
0: And when you were experiencing, you know, difficulty when you're on the tour and you said it it wasn't just from men or the governing body, it was even from women, what was your um, conscious thought at the time? What were you saying to yourself in order to continue?
1: Well, at the time it it depended on my levels of maturity because in my Teens and early 20s, at the time I was just saying, you're a bunch of fucking bitches and I want nothing to do with you. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was a real victim at the time too. I was a real lay blamer. I was very quick to criticise and judge. It was everyone else's fault for when I wasn't able to achieve my goals and I wasn't willing to take any responsibility or accountability for it. So therefore my natural reaction, especially as an adoptee, when I feel that way, if I feel like I'm under attack, is to either run and hide or reject so I pushed people away and I kept myself protected and nurtured and I'm the only one that's really here for me. And so I even then ended up pushing people away that were there for me but I had misinterpreted their intentions mm-hmm. and that prolonged my suffering. That mm-hmm. made my journey a lot more difficult and a lot more challenging than it really needed to be. Mm-hmm. Then when I opened myself up to the concept of personal accountability and taking responsibility and stopped telling myself a whole bunch of well I refer to rationalizing as telling myself rational lies because that's how we we validate our choices and our behaviors when i stopped doing that and started to basically look in the mirror and ask myself what part do i play in this how am i contributing to this what difference am i making uh, or what impact am i making i started taking responsibility for my actions my thoughts my behaviors and realized oh that's what it comes down to <laughs> choice <laughs> oh, I didn't realise I had choice. I never gave myself permission to have that. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, I changed the channel.
0: Wow, that's a, a fantastic frame, Change the channel. I love yeah. it. You are listening to The Very Brave Podcast. When we think about women... In society today, you know, there's still a lot of visible elements of the patriarchy everywhere and without us falling into a really, really deeply feminist conversation about, you know, how we might be oppressed or, or conditioning, what do you see is holding women back just in their everyday lives from making more brave moves or feeling like their courage can actually be used to take positive action steps?
1: But the first thing that comes to mind is what's holding women back is women, Mm. but then there's also a bunch of generational thinking and some really stereotypical biases and a lack of opportunity and this line of thinking that women women tend to have a a really deeply ingrained scarcity mentality. Mm. So women, if they see another woman achieve something, they see that as one less opportunity for them to do that, whereas Mm. when men see it, they're like, oh, I can do that too. And, you know, we often hear this phrase, we can't be what we can't see. But I I tend to stray away from that because otherwise we're just waiting for someone else to give us permission. Mm -hmm. And how did the the pioneers and the trailblazers achieve it? They weren't able to see aspects of themselves in those positions. They had to see it themselves. Similar to me, you know, there was no other six-time world champion surfers in the world, so I had to see it myself. So then I had to surround myself with people who saw it in me as well. So I feel that, you know, I have this three-step model for sustained success. Number one is clarify your vision. Who is it that you want to be? How is it that you want to feel? How do you want to show up on a day-to-day basis? What impact do you want to leave on the world? What difference are you making? What's your legacy? Like those those things are, can only be self-defined. You can't wait for someone else to to create that story for you. Then you actually have to surround yourself with what I refer to as a dream team, you know, the people who elevate you, who are honest with you, who bring the best out in you, who see more in you than you see in yourself, especially on those self-deprecating, self-sabotaging days where the, the imposter syndrome is loud and proud in our minds and saying, no, you can't do this. And unfortunately, the imposter syndrome is fed on a day-to-day basis because that's what society does. It's it's constantly negatively reaffirming to us that we're not smart enough, talented enough, beautiful enough, fit enough, strong enough. You're just not enough no matter what you do. And to achieve that, you must buy this or you must live here Mm -hmm. or you must hang out with that person or you must wear this uh, to to fake it till you make it, so to speak. So when you have a dream team around you, especially people who have a lot of experience, you save yourself a lot of time. And then the last piece of the puzzle is action. What actions are you taking on a day-to-day basis that are either getting you closer to your dream team or closer to your vision? Mm. And then you become your own accountability partner. And I feel that our greatest accountability partner for women especially is our mirror. Mm. But unfortunately, our relationship with ourselves can be so toxic and hostile that we not only bring ourselves down, we then drag everyone else down around us. So, And I was guilty of that, especially in my 20s and 30s. Now I'm 50 and uh, I recognise that, um, look, I have my triggers in my life, but essentially those triggers just ignite stories, which ignite feelings, and they can spiral me down into really dark negative places that I don't want to be, so I've got to change the story, once again, change the channel.
0: And does that come from age, from experience, that, you know, recognizing that or when you had your dream team around you you know were there particular women that helped you see that absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yeah it definitely comes from a level of maturity and uh, a level of compassion and also a place of self-care and self-nurturing and self-love which we don't tend to have in our teens and 20s (laughs) so it's
0: Ready to wake up every day and live your bravest life? Sign up today for our 365 Days of Brave and you will receive a daily brave message from Rachel Evans herself directly into your inbox, completely free of charge. Go to bravemedianetwork.com backslash 365 and sign up for your daily brave messages today.
1: The minute we turn seven, we strip ourselves of that because our, we go from being narcissists in the first five or six years of our lives to them being judgmental and analytical and critical of ourselves. And so you think about putting a two-year-old in front of a mirror and you ask them to finish the sentence, I am, it in, it ends there. But then the minute you put a seven, eight-year-old in front of the mirror, I am, well, then it's layered. And then that story continues on until someone either beats it out of us or we beat it out of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So the, that level of maturity certainly I was very fortunate that I had that as a as a youngster. I mean, I lost my mother when I was six. I grew up with my brother and my dad. I had very few female mentors, but I went to an all-girls school. So I, I connected with women in that realm. But in the surfing world, there were no women that I really wanted to connect with. However, I wanted to be a world champion. And so I thought, well, if I surround myself with world champions, I might shortcut the struggle so I then reached out and had some amazing female mentors throughout my career such as Pam Burrage, Wendy Botha, Pauline Mensa. You know, these women helped me work out what I needed to do and how I needed to do it. And then they, they were actually really sounding, really wonderful sounding boards and great honesty barometers.
0: And what would uh, 50-year-old Lane say to 20-year-old Lane if she had the opportunity? Lighten the fuck
1: up. <laughs> Is this a PG podcast because I've just screwed it up twice? <laughs> no. Okay. I don't believe it is. <laughs> <laughs> Not now. <laughs> my my 20-year-old self really just was so hard and so driven and so focused, which, you know, most people say, do you think that's why you won so much? And I might say, look, I don't know because it's what I chose to believe in. I chose to believe that success had to be hard and it was only deserving if it was through struggle and if it wasn't through pain and suffering that it wasn't worth it. And that made it all very difficult, very challenging, very Mm -hmm. painful. Then not only was I hard on myself, I projected that onto everybody else around me. So I felt very lonely and isolated at a time when I really needed the most amount of love, compassion and support. Mm. What would you say to a,
0: a woman that might be listening who knows that there's an absence of mentors in her life for whatever reason, but wants to find them? What would be your advice?
1: If you know what you want, you can ask for what you need. If mm. you don't know what you want, you can't ask for what you need. So first get really clear. Go back to that three-step sustained success model. What is it that you want? What is it that you want to achieve? How is it that you want to feel? And then who is it within your network or in your world that's exhibiting that? Everyone wants to help somebody. Yeah. So no, everyone's, I think, whether they say you're only six phone calls away from whoever you need to speak to, so everybody knows somebody that's willing to help. Yeah. If you can't see evidence of it in your own life, then ask a friend that you trust if there's anyone they've worked with mm-hmm. that, can give them, that can give you the, the, the advice or counsel that, or the mentoring that you need. I've had a variety of different mentors throughout my life, especially when I retired from surfing. It took me four years to really accept that I was retired. Well, retired. I'm busier now, <laughs> now than I've ever been. but. Yeah. <laughs> you know I left a sport that I had I wrapped my whole sense of self-worth and identity around for 19 years or 20 years and then to walk away from that and then find a, a new vocation was quite challenging and and I needed to let go of some of that baggage and really start focusing my attention on where I was heading as opposed to keep looking back into the past to predict future behaviors and future outcomes. so I had to um, ask a couple of different friends you know do you know a mentor that could help me with this particular challenge and I was always, Uh, sent off in the right direction and then the last thing you need to do is actually really just trust your instincts on that when you if you connect with someone then trust that and uh and open yourself up to what they may have to teach you but if you're a woman who thinks that she has to have all the answers then you're never going to really fulfill your potential because no one has all the answers
0: you are listening to the very brave podcast And do you think that courage is required sometimes to oh, be able to ask yes. in the first
1: place? Yeah. yeah. So when I had my foundation named for the stars, I, uh, I always referred to the fact that these women had the, the courage to put their hands up and ask for help. And unfortunately a lot of women suffer in silence and I'm definitely one of those because I uh, had there was a lot of fear and a lot of shame associated with being wrong. Mm. Or, or not being strong or showing elements of weakness. And that came from my childhood. I grew up in a very tough love family unit where if I hurt myself, my dad would basically say, harden up, get back out there. I almost broke my neck surfing, just lie down, you'll be right. My knee blew up to twice its size after I jumped over a wall, mistimed it, a friend came over and went, oh, my God, are you okay? And his dad's response was, get her a bloody wheelchair. So there was no real compassion for being injured or being weak or being vulnerable Mm. and that's what I learned that it's not actually a healthy thing to do so the greatest and Brene Brown being the the leader in this field you know I love her work around vulnerability and shame and she talks you know a lot about the the greatest strength you can have is to show vulnerability because now you're in a complete state of acceptance Mm. can't be hurt from there absolutely
0: my favorite question uh to ask of my podcast guests as we're finishing up is this one. Mm -hmm. Now, we've spoken about lots of brave things that have occurred uh, along your journey, but I imagine that there's a few more brave moves that you're still going to make. Can you share with me what your next brave move might be? Mm. No one's ever said no, by the way.
1: Ah, (laughs) 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 My next brave move. Oh, I actually don't really have a grand master plan about what my next brave move is. I, I feel like, especially in the last several years, I've made a lot of brave moves. I launched an online business in the middle of COVID because I wanted to digitize myself and and feel less responsibility to actually physically go and deliver content. Mm. And, uh, and I've loved every minute of it. I remember when I built the platform and built the course, I felt like I was investing in another world title. It was so... Mm-hmm enjoyable and and all-encompassing, and it saved me from having to write another book. (laughs) So (laughs) I was grateful for it. But as far as my next brave move, I actually, oh, you know what? Actually, my next brave move is I'm competing in a couple of days at an event down here at Manly, a Challenger Series event. Now, I haven't competed for years, and I'm competing against girls that weren't even born when I retired. (laughs) Wow. So I feel like that's a pretty brave move. <laughs> I, I definitely feel you on that one. That's, uh,
0: that's brave. <laughs> a brave, courageous. But what a great way for, you know, the, the next generation of female surfers to connect with our greatest ever world champion. So oh, that's amazing. kind of exciting as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and that's that's a really healthy perspective. I thank you for that because, uh, yeah, it's not about just me going out there and winning, it's actually about me connecting with the the current and future generation of women surfers and uh, letting them know that uh, their their lives are not defined by their results. Their lives are literally defined by how they choose to live their lives.
0: Well, Lane Beachley, it has been uh, an extraordinary pleasure to speak with you today and uh, hear your thoughts around bravery hear your amazing story and uh, good luck in a couple of days' time.
1: Thanks, Rachel. I'm going to need it. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a delight talking to you too. Thanks so much. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to The Very Brave Podcast. If you like this episode, please follow us on Apple, Spotify or wherever you like to listen. Also, remember to give us a rating and review. I'll be reading out reviews on future podcast episodes and I'd love to share your insights. For more information and additional resources, check out the website at www.therealrachel.com and www.bravemedianetwork.com. I love hanging out on Instagram as well. So make sure you follow me there at the real Rachel Evans and let's continue this conversation. I look forward to chatting with you next time.